The following message by Pastor Jason Aaron from our ministry partners at Outpost Church is brought to you by Together in Christ. It is such a joy, honor, and blessing to be with you, brothers and sisters, this morning. I was so grateful for the opportunity to be here, not simply to be able to preach God's word, which I enjoy doing, but also just to say thank you to the congregation as a whole. I can't begin to describe the amount of blessing that this congregation has meant to me, to my family, to the ministry, and I just wanna be able to say thank you. From the first day that our family got here to Monroe a few years ago, we were welcomed with open arms by Pastor Roy and Pastor Tim, and they just embraced us and whatever we needed, they were more than welcome to help us in whatever it was that we were asking for. Um, I gotta thank the staff of Monroe Missionary and how much they've helped us. I wanna thank the WMU. I was talking to Miss Delaire just a little bit earlier. Several women gather together and pray for our church. They pray for our family. They pray for the people in which we are trying to reach. So I'm just filled with gratitude and thanksgiving as I have the opportunity to be here with you this morning and worship the Lord. This summer, I had the opportunity to go to Monroe Missionaries Youth Camp, and I got to preach God's word there, and that was a great joy for me as well. I must say that I I thoroughly enjoyed my experience there. They fed me really well, and there happened to be one particular dessert that I liked a whole lot, and somebody from the kitchen staff, I'm not going to rat anybody out today, but somebody from the kitchen staff actually hid me a piece of this dessert in which I liked So I got to have seconds and that made me feel loved and welcomed. And so for the most part, I absolutely enjoyed camp, but there was one exception. There was one part that I really did not like. And that was the fact that Pastor Tim heckled me almost the entire week. Now, I'm not gonna go into all the details about what Pastor Tim was saying about me, but one of the things that he was saying about me, he was making fun of my accent. And so ironically, or luckily for you all, now you have a pastor on staff who's from the great state of Kentucky. So if you need an interpreter during today's message, Pastor Scott is right down front and you can ask him what it is that I'm trying to communicate. But in all seriousness, I can't say enough good things about Pastor Tim. I cannot tell you how much love and respect I have for this man. Even though I've been around him for just a few short years, I have seen how much he loves Christ. I have seen how much he loves Christ's church. I have seen how much he desires to reach the lost in our community. He has been an advocate of mine. He has been a voice of godly wisdom. He has just been a godly influence in my life over the past few years. So I just wanna say publicly, thank you for all that you have meant to me and to my family and to this particular ministry. I'm sure many of you probably don't know church planters, but one thing that many church planters will say is that they have often felt isolated. They have felt like they're on an island whenever they start some form of mission, but I have never felt that way. I have always felt like I was embraced and loved and cared for. So I just want to say thank you. With that being said, I want the, the, to use the balance of our time to discuss 
Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, the Great Commission. And so what we'll do is we will read that passage together, then we'll pray, and we'll go ahead and get started. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. That always surprises me. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together. God, we are thankful that we have the opportunity to worship you as Pastor Tim has mentioned earlier. It is a great blessing that you have given your people to encourage one another, to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and to to facilitate our spiritual growth. And we just pray that by your grace today, your spirit would minister to our hearts, that you would allow Christ to be high and lifted up and that your glory would fill this place as we seek to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen. The task in which I was given was to talk about missions. And as many of you know, missions is a vital part to the church. We see in this particular passage that the command of Christ before ascending to the right hand of the Father was to go make disciples, baptize, and teach others to obey all that Christ has commanded. And for some reason in our churches today, we have separated being a Christian with being on mission. We think that to be on mission, that we have to go to the other side of the world to do missions. But that is not necessarily the case. Missions is right here in front of us. To be a Christian is to be a missionary. When you are a Christian, you are also a missionary. A follower of Christ is a missionary. So the question is, what is the mission? What is the mission that Christ has commanded us to go and do? And I just read it. It's very plain and basic. Go therefore, make disciples, baptize, and teach others to obey all that Christ has commanded. So what I want to spend most of our time on today, and I kind of want to use Matthew 28 as this backdrop, is to discuss how we can be effective missionaries in our community. How can we be effective missionaries in our community? What's always so fascinating to me is that many people know verse 19, but very few people know what verse 18 says. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Before Jesus tells the disciples to go, he tells them that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. This is the foundation of being on mission. This is a very transformative verse. This should shape our minds as we think about what it means to be an effective missionary. Brothers and sisters, we must understand that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ. This must saturate our minds as we are thinking about making disciples throughout the city of Monroe. So we must understand that if we are going to make disciples, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ. This must fill and saturate our hearts and our minds. To be an effective missionary, we must have confidence that Jesus Christ has all power and authority in heaven and on earth and that Jesus Christ is with us. I grew up with a brother who was a couple of years older than I was. And our family was pretty competitive. And if our family was competitive, I was ultra competitive. I absolutely hated losing in anything. It didn't matter if we were playing a board game. It didn't matter if we were playing ping pong. It didn't matter if we were playing basketball outside. I absolutely hated to lose. And one of the things about me, I was one of those individuals that if I did win, I made sure that everybody in our house knew about it. I was the one that could not stop running his mouth whenever I would get the victory. It's easy to understand that as my brother and I were growing up, we had a large amount of fights. We were constantly getting in fights with one another. And I can remember back one afternoon when I was about 12 years old and my brother was 14 years old, that we had gotten into some sort of dispute. And I don't even know what the argument was about. I had provoked him, I'm sure, and was saying something that I shouldn't have said. And at this time, I had a red cast on my hand. I had just broken my hand and there was this hard red cast on my hand. And so what I was doing is I was instigating him and just luring him closer and closer to me. And I was slowly making my way out that back door. I was just waiting for him to get in striking range where I could give him a good right hook to the left side of his face and run out the back door. This was my intent. But there's one thing that my brother did not know. He did not know that my dad was sitting outside on that back porch. And because my brother used to get the best of me whenever we would get in these fights, when my dad was around, he used to protect me. So I knew that based upon the authority of my father and his presence near me that I could approach this situation without fear. Do you understand what I'm saying? The confidence that I had in this situation did not come from myself because I knew if he caught up to me, I was gonna get a beat down. 
The confidence and strength came from the fact that my dad had all power and authority and he was right out that back door. In Matthew 28, we see something strikingly similar. Before Jesus sends out these disciples to do this very difficult task, they were gonna start the New Testament church. Look at what Jesus tells them in verse 18. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to him. And it gets better. He doesn't just say all authority belongs to him. He also says he is going to be with us. So I love when the Bible uses words like all, right? Jesus doesn't have some authority. Jesus doesn't have a sliver of authority. Jesus doesn't have partial authority. No, Jesus has all authority. Jesus is not gonna be with us sometimes. Jesus is not gonna be with us temporarily. Jesus is gonna be with us always. And this is a great comfort to us as we are out in our communities sharing the good news of the gospel. This is the basis and foundation of us doing missions throughout our community. To be effective missionaries, we must have confidence that Jesus Christ has all power and authority in his hands and that he is in fact with us always. We see this boldness very clearly come through in the life of the apostle Peter. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that event that happened in Acts chapter two when the spirit of God was poured out in a powerful way. Now the dwelling place of God was within his disciples. The spirit began to empower and strengthen these disciples. And so the spirit is, is poured out and in Acts chapter four, we see this incredible event that unfolds. In Acts chapter four, verse five, we see that the rulers, the elders, and the scribes were all gathered together. Now, when these rulers, elders, and scribes were all gathered together, they had a particular purpose in mind. They were trying to harm all those who were testifying in the name of Jesus Christ. And these individuals were not just some people that didn't really matter or insignificant. These people, these rulers, elders, and scribes were the authoritative people in the temple. They were the ones that had power. They were the ones that could say things. They were the ones that everybody looked up to. And look at what the apostle Peter does. Just imagine the scene. Here Peter is and he's standing there in this temple and all these people that hate Jesus and they hate everything that Jesus stands for. And look at what the apostle Peter says to them. Acts chapter four, verses 10 through 12. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, who God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Wow. Here is Peter boldly proclaiming that salvation, deliverance from sin, forgiveness can be found in no other person. He is saying that sinless savior, the redeemer, Jesus Christ, the one that you all crucified, this is the one who takes away the sins of the world. Can you imagine that? The boldness that the apostle Peter has to preach the gospel and say, there is no other means of forgiveness outside of Christ. It is Jesus Christ and Christ alone that you can have forgiveness of sins. We must not forget that not long ago, this is the same Peter that denied Jesus Christ multiple times. And here he is boldly in the temple proclaiming that there is salvation in no other name. How did Peter have such boldness? Well, he had boldness because he was convinced that Christ had all authority and that all people were under the lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ. And when he thought that, this gave him a freedom to just proclaim the message of the gospel wherever he went. It didn't matter. He felt freedom to share the good news of Christ because he knew that Jesus Christ was at the right hand of God. His job was to faithfully proclaim the good news. His job was to faithfully proclaim the good news. He was not concerned with other things. His primary concern was to faithfully share the good news. He truly believed that when this beautiful message, when the gospel message was going to go out, there would be some who would believe the message and there would be some who would reject the message. He had seen this as he, is, he had been following Christ. Think about the life of Christ right? He was walking around and there were certain people who received Christ, who wanted to follow Christ, but there were certain people that did what? They rejected Christ. They wanted nothing to do with Christ. And so we see that what consumed Peter was to faithfully and boldly proclaim the good news and he left the results up to the king. His job was to be faithful, to proclaim the message. But Peter also knew that the spirit of God was with him. Romans chapter eight, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. This gave great comfort to Peter. He knew that Christ was on the throne, but he also knew that the spirit of Christ was dwelling in him. And so he could go anywhere and have this boldness and comfort because he knew his king was with him. We all must wholeheartedly believe these two particular truths. We have to get this when we talk about being effective missionaries. We have to believe that Jesus Christ has all power and authority in heaven and on earth and that Jesus Christ is with us. 
We have to get those two things right in order to be effective missionaries. Just like Peter, all of us in here have groups of people in which we have the ability to influence. Every person in here has a sphere of influence. We have people that are closely connected to us, whether it's friends, whether it's family, whether it's coworkers, whether it's people that you share some sort of hobby with. We all have individuals that we have the opportunity to influence that we have the opportunity to share the good news with. And so when we are thinking about going into our communities, we go into these areas of influence and we proclaim the good news of the gospel, that Jesus Christ is the only way unto eternal life, that there is hope found in the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ took our sins in his body on the tree and that we can be made right with God through Jesus Christ. We go into these places and we share this good news with all people that we have the opportunity to interact with. Like I said earlier, missions is not simply just going to the other side of the world. Missions is going to the other side of the street. To be effective missionaries, we must proclaim the good news where we work, play, and live. We must proclaim the good news where we work, play, and live. When I was living back in Kentucky um, several years ago, I worked for this insurance company. And I don't know, there might be some of you who have worked in insurance and you understand this, but when you work in that type of industry or something similar to that, it literally feels like you are talking to people 24-7, eight hours a day, all day, every day. People are calling into the office. You're having to call people. There's people walking into the office. And so, and so it feels like you are in constant communication with people all the time. And so when I got this job at this insurance company, I had recently come to faith in Christ. And so I had this evangelistic zeal that anybody that was walking, I could not wait to tell them about Jesus Christ. And so I had the opportunity to share the gospel with many people. I had the opportunity to pray with people. I had the opportunity to share my testimony with people. And so it was a great blessing for me. Now, I realize that everybody's job is not necessarily like that, where you have the opportunity to share the gospel with people. But my boss happened to be a, a Christian, and he's the one that was encouraging me to, to, to share the good news. And so it literally felt like I was an evangelist, not an insurance. I was just talking to people about Christ pretty much all day. And so I can remember those conversations that I had with people. And many of you have probably felt this too. You have a really good conversation with somebody about Christ. They're listening very intently. They're asking you several questions and you're just really engaged. And then at the end, you're saying, how about you come visit me at church on Sunday, right? How about you come with me, come to church on Sunday? And when that person shows up to church on Sunday, that is such a great feeling, right? It's just so exciting to know that what you have just said had provided some sort of substance in their life that they decided that they wanted to come to church that following Sunday. It is a great joy. Think about the last time that you had a conversation with a non-believer 
Or think about the last time that you had a conversation with somebody that had not been to church in a really long time. I bet when you got done with that conversation, you, you felt this sense of satisfaction. You felt this sense of joy because you were sharing with them something that is so treasured to you, right? Christ is your most treasured possession. And so you are sharing him with others and you felt this joy in knowing that I was talking to somebody about the words of eternal life. And so think about that in the way in which you felt the last time that you did that. Not only does proclaiming the good news glorify Christ, which it does because we're sharing the gospel with others, but it also energizes your faith. When you share the good news with people, it stimulates your heart and gives you this desire to share with more people. And it probably increases your prayer life too because now this person that shows up at church on Sunday You're able to pray for that individual. You have this renewed zeal in order to pray with them. And so we have to stay focused on sharing the hope of the gospel with people where we work, play, and live. But there is one thing that I think I've seen Christians do and they they fear They have a sense of fear that they're not gonna say the right thing or they don't really know how to communicate the gospel. And I would just say three things. There are three things that I would say to you if you are sitting here today and that is you. Number one, God is sovereign, right? God is sovereign over all things. There are many times where I have witnessed to somebody and I have said something that is not biblical, you know? And, and, and we know that God has the ability to save sinners, right? So even if I say the wrong thing, we can trust that God is sovereign and he is in charge of all things. Number two, be faithful to exalt Christ. Just be faithful to exalt Christ. When you're talking about your testimony, when you're sharing about how you came to faith in Christ, what your life was like before Christ and after Christ, just be mindful to exalt the person of Christ. Let the focus be on him, not on you. And thirdly, trust. Jesus is gonna build his church, right? Jesus is gonna build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so trust me, Jesus Christ loves his church far more than you do far more than I do. And he is gonna continue to build his church day by day. There are people coming to faith each and every day. So we must trust that Jesus Christ is going to build his church. Because our command is to proclaim the good news, we must always be prepared. We must always be prepared. First Peter chapter three, verse 15. The scripture says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, this is very important, do it with gentleness and respect. Did you get that? Always prepared to share the hope that you have, but do it with what? Gentleness and respect. What? Gentleness and respect. We share the hope that we have with gentleness and 
respect. So regardless if you are at the grocery store or you're at the gas pump getting gas or you're talking to somebody else, be prepared to share the hope that you have. And even when somebody says something off the wall, don't jump on them and attack them. Do it with gentleness. Talk to them with gentleness. Notice I'm emphasizing gentleness. Why? Because I'm preaching to myself. There's a tendency for me to not be so gentle with people, right? And get frustrated. But the reality is the apostle Peter is telling us that when we're talking to others about Christ, we must do so with gentleness and with respect. Just a couple of points of application or practical ways. If you had five minutes to share your testimony, would you be able to do that with somebody? I wanna encourage you, if you've never done that, you should write that out and have a little five minute testimony that you could share with somebody. If somebody came up to you and they said, hey, what is the gospel? What is the good news of Christ? Would you be able to give them an answer? And if not, then I would encourage you to write something down. If you've read something in your daily devotional that really strikes you, that's really impactful, then I encourage you to share that with other people. Just start training yourself to constantly be sharing with others because then proclaiming the good news almost becomes second nature. If God answers a prayer in your life, guess what? Tell somebody, right? Does that glorify God when you say, God has answered my prayers? Absolutely. Just get in the habit of telling others the work that God is doing in and through your life. I know when, when, when you are discussing matters of faith, it can be extremely intense. You're not talking about any small matter. You are talking about something that has eternal ramifications. You are talking about eternity in a place that is sheer perfection, where you will be with the Lord for the rest of your days in a place that is without sin. Or you are talking about a place of eternal torment, day and night, where there are weeping and gnashing of teeth. These are serious matters in which we are talking about when we are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what I wanna say is, when you are doing that, I wanna encourage you not to answer questions that people don't have. Don't answer questions that people don't have. There are times when we can start dialoguing with individuals and we can get off on this rabbit trail and start answering questions that people aren't even asking. If we are going to be effective missionaries, we have to keep the gospel front and center. And so it's important for us to empathize with people, right? If they've had bad experience in church or something was wrong, but really what we want to do is we want to see how they understand the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. We want to know what do you believe about the person of Jesus Christ? I know that you've had a bad experience, but what is your understanding of the person of Christ? We always have to be pointing people back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's recap these last couple of points before we dive into our last point. So the first two points, to be effective missionaries, we must have confidence in 
Jesus Christ, that all authority in heaven on earth has been given to Christ and that Christ is going to be with us. Secondly, we have to um, be, to be effective missionaries, we must be pre- pro- prepared to proclaim the good news where we work, play, and live. And the last part, to be effective missionaries, we must be prepared for opposition. We must be prepared for opposition. Look at verse 20. Jesus says, he's telling them to teach the disciples. The disciples are to teach others to observe all that Christ has commanded. Jesus doesn't tell the disciples just to teach on topics in which he likes and on which they like. Jesus tells them to teach on everything that Christ has commanded. And so when we are calling sinful people to obey the commands of Christ, guess what? You will probably get some negative reactions. People aren't gonna be super excited to obey what Christ has commanded at times. And that's okay because we are to be we are to persevere and endure and be steadfast with them, okay? So it's kind of like um, when tonight for your kids, they've been on Christmas vacation for how long? Two to three weeks, right? When I go home tonight and it's about bedtime and I tell my kids, hey, it's time for you guys to get in bed. What kind of reaction do you think I'm gonna get from them? Are they gonna say, yeah, dad, I can't wait to go get in bed. No, they say, absolutely not. We don't wanna get in bed right? There's going to be a negative reaction. And so we must expect that when we are sharing the good news of Christ, that people are going to have a negative reaction. The reality is all throughout the scriptures, all throughout church history, God moves when persecution comes. God moves in powerful ways when persecution comes. And so we must be prepared and we must expect that persecution is going to come whenever we are on mission. Remember what Jesus said in John 15, 20, and I'll close with this. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. This is where the church really has an opportunity to be a city on a hill where the church has an opportunity to be a beaming light, where when you're going through hardship or difficulty throughout your life, the church is a place of refuge in which you can come, in which you can find love and encouragement and peace. And so I wanna encourage you today, if you are not engaged in the local church, that is so very important. Please be known amongst a group of brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We're thankful that your word is true, that it is without spot or blemish. And we pray that by your spirit, you would use your word to further your kingdom in our city for the glory of your name. God, we desperately need you. Unless you build the house, then we labor in vain. And so I pray that your hand would move in our city that revival would break out in our city and that people would come to faith in Christ and it would start right here. Let us start on our knees praying that your glory would come to this city and that people would be released 
from being in bondage to sin and they would experience freedom in Christ for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Pastor Jason Aaron from our ministry partners at Outpost Church from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.